We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, and how this man is demonstrating what a true conservative leader looks like. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. Last week, as I concluded our final episode on Friday morning, I talked a little bit about Ron DeSantis and why this man is a true leader, what he's doing in the state of Florida to demonstrate what conservative principles really look like, what a true constitutionalist looks like, and why people are actually following this man. He's a leader. He knows who he is. He knows who his enemy is, and he therefore understands what battle plan needs to be set in place. And as the result, people are actually lining up to follow him. Now, as a result of talking about Ron DeSantis, I got a lot of thumbs up and kudos, but I also was challenged by a few conservatives who believe that simply complimenting Ron DeSantis and thanking him for being a man of courage and character, a man that is confident in his conservative principles, Simply by doing that, I guess that makes me disloyal to Trump, or at least that's what some people were suggesting. So on today's show, I'm going to talk about Ron DeSantis again, what true conservatism looks like, why Ron DeSantis is proving himself to be a man of character, conviction, and courage within the boundaries of constitutional conservatism. And common sense. I mean, the guy has the spine to stand in the face of the LGBTQ IA nonsense and say, no, we shouldn't be butchering our minor children and removing and removing functioning organs from their bodies. This is wrong. I'm not going to let this happen in the state of Florida, so he has said. Thank you. I stand and give you a standing ovation for saying what every person with a brain should be saying in the face of this lunacy. But is my affirmation of Ron DeSantis somehow suspect? Does that call into question my conservative credentials because the implication is I think Ron DeSantis is doing something uh, as good, if not better, than Donald Trump? I surely hope not. I surely hope that if you're listening to this show via radio, radio or podcast, that you recognize that conservatives ought to be able to discuss these things openly without casting stones and accusing one another of somehow being disloyal to the United States disloyal to the things that President Trump accomplished that were good. No, that's just baloney. That's nonsense. And if I lose a couple listeners for saying that, I don't care. I really don't care. Because if we're going to be cowed into silence, if we're going to be scared, if we're going to be painted into the corner of not even talking positively about somebody as, as good as Ron DeSantis, 
then our movement is in trouble, in my view. So I'm going to talk about Ron DeSantis again. Uh, buckle up here, folks. I'm going to say good things about him. And that doesn't mean I'm saying bad things about Donald Trump. As I compare the two, if I think Ron DeSantis is doing a better job in some areas, and I say so, that isn't being ungrateful to what President Trump did. It's just acknowledging what I consider to be the strengths of this younger man, this governor of Florida, as he tackled COVID, as he's tackled LGBTQIA, as he has secured his borders, as he stood in the face of uh, the Green New Deal and all of the lunacy that it represents, as he has stood for state sovereignty and the right to govern his state as his constitution gives him the authority and the responsibility to do. Now, when I stand up and applaud Ron DeSantis for all of these things, Please, please, if you're conservative, please tell me you're not going to tune that conversation out. That's not what conservatives do. So let's take a break. When I get back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Ron DeSantis and what, are the, and what he's doing and why it's a good thing. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. All right, so the topic today is Ron DeSantis and his leadership in Florida. You know, this past week on July 28th, the state of Florida proved, proved once again, to be a bastion of sanity in the midst of a country and a culture that by and large appears to be losing its mind on a minute-by-minute basis. I mean, I assume everybody listening to me right now can appreciate that commentary. I mean, we've got Joe Biden's gender-bending abuse of Title IX. Okay, this is a law, I've said it more than once on this show, this is a law that was written in 1972 to protect women. To protect women. One more time. It's a law that was written and codified and passed appropriately through our legislative branch and then signed into law by the executive the president of the United States at the time. It's a law that was written to protect women. You know what a synonym for a woman is? A female, okay? A biological female. A woman is a biological female. And now Title IX is being used by the Biden administration to justify giving female sports to misogynistic men who get their kicks out of black-facing women and playing dress-up, okay? That's essentially a summary of what the Biden administration and the Democrats and the progressive left are doing. They are not pro-woman. They are not for equal rights because they're taking the rights away from real women and giving those rights, those earned privileges, those facilities, those sports, those scholarships, bathrooms, showers, etc., giving all of that over to men. That's not pro-woman. That's not feminism. You're denying the feminine. You can't be a feminist. That's what the Biden administration is doing. So what are Florida officials doing? How are they responding? Now, my first example here is not Ron DeSantis. The first example of Florida officials who are stepping forward and saying, no, we will not comply, comes from Manny Diaz, who is Florida's education commissioner. In the face of this executive action, the president's executive action, 
demanding that all schools and colleges across the United States immediately start making girls' showers and locker rooms and dormitories and athletics available to members of the opposite sex. I mean, what, what world are we living in? What mad hatters, crazy land, have we entered into when we think it makes sense? When at least 50% of the American people think it makes sense to take a girl's shower, locker room, dormitory, and sport away and give it to a boy and then do so under the auspices of Title IX? This is crazy land. So in the face of all of this, Florida's education commissioner, Manny Diaz, spoke up. And what did he do? He told the White House that its directive, and this is his quote, Manny Diaz's quote, would not be treated as governing law, close quote. The Biden administration's agenda, Diaz said, jeopardizes the safety and well-being of Florida students and risks violating Florida law, close quote. In other words, this edict from the White House, this dictatorial, oligarchical edict, this demand from the king, it, it, it violates Florida law. And what is that law in Florida? It's called the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, which Ron DeSantis, as governor, signed into law this past June. So what's my point here inciting Manny Diaz? as I'm trying to talk about Ron DeSantis. Well, here's my argument. I would say that if this story, this story about Manny Diaz having the strength and courage, God bless him, thank you for doing this. May we have the same leadership here in Oklahoma. Please, please, across the country, may we find the same men and women of character and conviction and clarity of thought. Courage to just say what's obvious and defend women rather than throw them to the wolves of this trans lunacy. So my argument is that if this story about Diaz proves anything, it's this, that leadership matters. Bold, decisive men inspire others to act likewise. That's my point. Governor DeSantis has repeatedly proven that he's a man of courage and conviction. And I've cited some of the things he's done. His response to COVID encouraged millions, millions, not only in Florida, but around the nation to stop living in fear. His clampdown on illegal immigration has reminded us, an entire nation, that a nation without borders is no nation. Okay, how can you be a nation if you don't have any borders? If there's no definition to where you exist and why you exist, then what kind of nation are you? You can't be a nation if you don't have any national borders. You are no nation without a nation without borders. Okay, Governor DeSantis's defense of children and their innocence, okay, children, we should protect their innocence. We shouldn't subject them to adult conversations about sex. Frankly, conversations that even adults should be eschewing, in my view. Why in the world are we subjecting 8-year-olds, 9-year-olds, and 10-year-olds to this nonsense? And when Governor DeSantis spoke out and said, no, we're not going to teach our kids all this gender-bending ideology in elementary school, um, he he emboldened scores of parents to, to join him and basically shout, this must stop. 
Moms and dads said, we will no longer tolerate this sexual grooming of our sons and daughters. Why? I would argue it's because they were emboldened by a strong leader, a guy with spine and courage and clarity of thought, Governor DeSantis. And his strong stance in confronting this science-denying nonsense of pretending that women aren't real, it led 15 other governors, 15 other governors, to join him and sign a statement declaring to the federal government, to Joe Biden, the executive branch of our national government, no, we're not going to comply. We're not going to comply either. We're, we're following DeSantis's lead, essentially, is what they said without saying it. So back to my point. I've heard it said that the proof of leadership is that others follow. And that if you look over your shoulder in the, and you find yourself alone, then you might not be a leader. Well, Governor DeSantis is a leader. Um, His attorney general is following him. His education commissioner, Manny Diaz, is following him. His legislature is much more conservative in Florida, even than here in Oklahoma. Uh, Why? Why is the legislature in Florida more conservative than here in Oklahoma? It's It's because of DeSantis. They know who he is, and they know he's going to lead from his conservative, constitutional, Catholic principles. They know that. So the the education commissioner is following, the attorney general is following, parents are following, and even Governor DeSantis's peers, other governors, are following. It appears that people are lining up behind him because of this man's clarity and courage. DeSantis knows what he believes and why. Does anybody doubt that? Even if you disagree with him, do you doubt that he knows what he believes, and why. He understands himself, and he understands his time. The battle lines are clear, and he raises the banner high, and the army stands ready. The army stands ready for war. Good generals inspire. They don't confuse. And DeSantis is a good general. He's proven that over and over again. Now, Let's get to this issue of Donald Trump. I've told you this story before. In fact, I shared a little bit of it last week, but I'm going to share it again. I want you to understand exactly what I'm saying. And if you're tempted to say, I don't want to hear this, then shame on you. Conservatives, listen to the argument. And if you disagree, disagree in a manner that's cogent and sound and clear, not emotionally. Okay, Conservatives deal in facts. In other words, we agree with Ben Shapiro. The facts don't care about your feelings. Conservatives don't make decisions on the basis of emotion. They make, basis, they make decisions on the basis of reason. It's not the emotional, it's the rational. We conserve the truth, and truth is grounded in rational debate. So let's talk about Donald Trump within the context of this story on Ron DeSantis and some of the reactions that I'm getting on social media. Okay, I told you last week, during the 2016 election season, I was invited to join a small group of about 30 or maybe 35, I can't remember for sure, conservative, Catholic, and evangelical writers and speakers. We were invited to meet with Donald Trump in New York City. Now, the reason 
that many of us were invited to that meeting as we were suspicious. We hadn't jumped on board the, the Trump train at that point in time. Keep in mind, we just came off of the primary. Days earlier, Donald Trump prevailed in the Republican Party, and he was, at this point in time, now the official nominee for the Republican Party for the presidency of the United States. It was the 2015-16 election season. As, as I've told you before, during the primary, I wasn't jumping on the Trump train. I was for Cruz at the time. My wife was for Rubio. We were both very impressed with a couple other candidates. I thought Rand Paul made sense in a lot of things he was saying. Okay? So, um, let's go back to the story. So the primary's over, Donald Trump prevails. He wasn't my first choice. But I'm certainly not going to do anything to aid in a bed Hillary Clinton or her party in gaining power because I know what's at risk here. I know our constitutional liberties are at risk. I know our constitutional republic is at risk. And I can't just throw my vote away by voting for a third candidate, in my view. In my view, I can't do that because a third candidate isn't going to win, at least this point in time in the United States. That is not politically viable. So I'm trying to be pragmatic in my thinking. What do I do? But I want to be principled. I don't want to throw my principles away for the sake of pragmatism. I'm trying to find the balance between being principled and pragmatic. Okay, so while I'm at the, uh, in, in New York City, um, I was invited to be one of the five people out of that group of 30 to ask Donald Trump a question. And as I told you before, we were given, uh, I think it was three to five minutes to ask our question and then let, the, uh, let Mr. Trump, the nominee of the Republican Party for the presidency of the United States, respond to us. And again, I'm grateful we were invited because Mr. Trump and his handlers, Steve Bannon, etc., knew that many of us weren't supporting him yet. They were giving us an opportunity to engage. That's what conservatives do. Let's talk. Let's try to learn if our concerns are valid or if, they, uh, if they're not. Um, so anyway, when I introduced myself to Mr. Trump, I said basically this. I said, Mr. Trump, my name is Everett Piper. I'm the president of a small Christian college in Northeast Oklahoma, and I've just received a letter from the Obama administration demanding that I immediately start providing transgender accommodations on my campus. Now, Mr. Trump, I will not do this. I will not permit men to intrude into our female facilities. I just won't. I will not permit men to intrude into our female programs, athletics, and whatnot. It's not going to happen. So, Mr. Trump, should you become president of the United States, I have one request of you. And I took a deep breath, and I looked him in the eye, and I said this. Leave me alone. Please, leave me alone. Just get the government out of my business, out of our business. Let, let Oklahoma Wesleyan University, the college that I'm the president of, the Christian liberal arts institution, that I guide. Let us be the Christian school that we're chartered to be. That's what our mission says we must be. That's, that's why we are, are accredited. We prove in the accrediting cycle that we live up to our mission. And we measure it. We assess it. And we try to improve. Improve what? How closely aligned we are to our mission. Do we, 
do we exercise truth in advertising? Do we give the students and the parents, those people that pay the bill, what we promise them when we recruit them? Mr. President, just let us be a Christian school. Just leave us alone. And I've told you the story before. I've told you that I'm not sure Donald Trump fully understood my concerns. And in fact, his response indicated that he didn't. Okay? I want you to hear it. You weren't there. I was. He responded in a way that demonstrated he really didn't understand my concerns or the depth of them. I mean, his response was, well, do you have a problem if they've had the surgery? That's what he said. I mean, I just said, I'm not going to comply with this edict from the Obama administration. I'm not going to allow men to intrude into female spaces, locker rooms, showers. I'm not going to allow biological males to take away a female's sport and scholarship facilities and programs. I'm not going to do that. And he responds and says, well, do you have a problem if they've had the surgery? That response does not indicate that he understood the depth of my concern or really the reason for it. But that aside, I'm not trying to mock him or belittle him right now. I'm just telling you what happened. That aside, I'm grateful that as president, President Trump did precisely what I asked him to do. He left me alone. So he honored my request. And that's what I asked. And I'm grateful for it. I'm very grateful for it. And that's why I supported him in his reelection bid. That's why I wrote an article for the Washington Times saying, I don't care. I don't care if the guy has mean tweets. I don't care if he's a jerk at times. He did what I asked him to do. He left me alone. And I enjoyed more religious freedom than I could have ever hoped for had his opponent, Hillary Clinton, prevailed rather than him. But here's the thing. What's that have to do with Ron DeSantis? A lot. It has a lot to do with Ron DeSantis. I can thank Donald Trump for doing what he did, but I can also look at Ron DeSantis and evaluate what he's doing as a leader right now, and I can conclude this, and this is what I do conclude. Ron DeSantis would not only leave me alone, but he would lead. He would lead. Governor DeSantis has proven that he understands the moral insanity of our time and that he will fight on our side and on our behalf against it. And you may say, well, Donald Trump fought for you. Yes, he did. But I can tell you, he didn't understand my concerns. By God's grace, he chose members of his cabinet. He chose a leadership team that did understand my concerns. And and those people advised President Trump to leave us alone. Those people explained to him why. And Donald Trump did exactly what we needed him to do in terms of in terms of emboldening religious leaders, emboldening others in his cabinet and in the Senate and in the Congress to step forward and fight the good fight. I'm grateful for that. But I'm arguing this. Ron DeSantis understands this moral dilemma at a deeper level. He's demonstrated it in his decisions on a daily basis. Ron DeSantis understands the moral insanity of our time. He understands it, and he will lead in the fight against it. He just won't respond to the cry of those that are being browbeaten by government. government. Sun Tzu once said, you know, the great military strategist, 
Sun Tzu. Once said, If you know the enemy and yourself, you need not fear the result of hundreds of battles. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Ron DeSantis clearly knows his enemy and he knows himself. And for that reason, I'm saying this man is a leader. He's a leader that millions of Americans would be excited to follow. Now, as we get ready to wrap up the show, why is saying that a bad thing? Why do we find ourselves on the conservative side of politics today, finding ourselves at risk of being deplatformed or ostracized by our own if we just speak up and say, well, I think um, Ron DeSantis might do a better job in this area than Donald Trump would do. Or I think it's time for us to find young leaders that will embolden and inspire Gen Zers, millennials, to come out and vote for the conservative party, for conservative principles, for constitutional liberty. I think it's time for us to hand the baton to the next generation that, yes, is building upon the successes of Donald Trump and what he accomplished in terms of being pro-America and defending our Constitution and showing strength internationally rather than weakness, defending our borders, actually actually recognizing that a nation without borders is no nation at all. Yes, we're grateful for everything that Donald Trump brought to the discussion. And we're grateful for the decisions that he made. And we're grateful for his position on life and liberty. Very grateful. But it's time to acknowledge that that coach, Donald Trump, has trained up a great team. We've got a great bench, and maybe we ought to be discussing whether or not politically, pragmatically, it's time to put that team on the field and realize a victory rather than yearning for the good old days. The good old days. Why is it disloyal to Donald Trump to talk that way? Isn't that expressing gratitude for his leadership? Thanking him for what he did, but acknowledging, hey, You've got a ringer right there on the bench. Stop getting in his way. Let him play. And in fact, if you let him play, we might actually win this game because he will inspire his generation and even those younger than him to get involved. He will embolden people, like his own education secretary, Manny Diaz, to have courage to express conviction have confidence in common sense. He's already proven it at the state level, and he can do it at the national level. Conservatives have these conversations without fear of being canceled, folks. Having this conversation does not make you disloyal to the American cause or to our Constitution or to our principles. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.